Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is a Lip Media Podcast. What was the highlight? Some of the most memorable ones to me, it was called the hot and cold tea and it looks like just a shot glass with tea in it. And they were like, make sure you drink it in this particular way. Just drink it as we Mm. put it in front of you. And when you drink it, half your mouth was cold and half your mouth was hot. That's crazy. Yeah, so that was really crazy. How does that even work? And it was delicious. I would love that. Hello, my name is June and I'm Daph and you're listening to our podcast List Me Tender where we delve into bucket list things to do before you turn 30. So June, what are we chatting about this week? We are talking about treating yourself to a fancy dining experience. Mm. Daph, do you want to read the blurb? Of course. Treat yourself to a meal at one of the world's top restaurants. Mm -hmm. Find out what all of the fuss is about and indulge in food made by someone who is a maestro in the kitchen. (laughs) La la la! We actually have a very special person joining us today. She is one of our friends from the lavish eras but was wise enough not to join the hip-hop society her name is nadia welcome nadia (laughs) i think we were trying to figure out when we first met i think i met june at the youth group when we were still in high school because uh, we have a mutual friend josh okay that does definitely decided to join Mm -hmm. a youth group and I tagged along. And then I met Daph when Jaws went to uni, where June also was. Okay, so my first memory of you is my first time illegally clubbing with a fake ID with someone's face who was also Asian, but like did not look anything like me. And I think I was like maybe 16 or 17. And you, Jaws and Ingrid, who was a third friend in your oh three gosh. musketeer group, were like really excited. And you were saying, don't worry, you'll get in. And then when I got in, everyone was like, what? and we felt so like youthful and rebellious so that was like my very first memory of you I have no recollection Mm -hmm. at all about this clubbing experience but I'll take your word for it (laughs) for me it was also the same my first early impression of you is you were one of Joz's friends and I would only ever meet you in a clubbing context (laughs) Like, when there was parties, then Nadia would be there. Like, that was it. Have you just blocked out the I don't even remember going out Nadia? that much, but <laughs> apparently... Oh, oh how God. life has changed. <laughs> yes. Now you live in a house. Yeah, I have a trampoline now. That's the extent of the party. Oh. <laughs> yeah, did you want to introduce yourself? So, hi again, everyone. I'm Nadia. I live in Sydney. I am over 30. My... <laughs> relationship to food 
and interest in food has changed so much over the last 15 years from never really caring to mm. being like fully into fitness and healthy eating and then I tried you know being vegetarian and you know there was a time when I did a lot of fine dining mm. and where I am now which is mostly like cooking really super fast recipes but yeah I think I think it's always going to be an interesting and evolving relationship for me. So why did we pick Nadia Daff? I remember you going to the fat duck and you were so pumped and so excited mm-hmm. you guys had to go to melbourne and it was ballot reservation i think and oh, to me it just like stuck well. in my mind that's why I, when this topic came about i was nadia yeah i definitely remember that too nadia and i also remember so even before the fine dining part of you i remember you used to be really into making cakes just oh. really elaborate things from like a flip-flop slash thong for australia day to daft's amazing baked chicken shaped cake for one of her birthdays. So for context, everyone, um, I had a 50s theme birthday party for my 25th and Nadia made me this cake that looked like a roasted chicken, but it was chocolate cake. Anyways, it was yep. amazing. So it impressive. looked so great. I have yeah. also forgotten that part. It was art, <laughs> really. That cake part too. <laughs> wow, there you go. Where I would know. you be without us? <laughs> All your youthful yeah. memories disappeared. <laughs> Um, But yeah, I do distinctly remember you talking about Fat Duck and there were like all of these kind of people trying to get on the list so that they could even get a reservation. Do you want to tell a little bit about Fat Duck for those who don't have context? Okay, so yeah, the Fat Duck is probably, will forever be the highlight of my fine dining experience unless I end up going to the original Fat Duck. For those of you who are not aware, um, Fat Duck had to, I think they were renovating the original um, location in England. So they relocated to Melbourne Mm. for like six months. Before that, when, what year was this? 2015. It's been a while. Yeah, so they came um, and I think earlier in that year when they announced it and um, it was going to be a ballot booking. So we had organised myself, Nathan and um, Sarah and Eric. Uh, So there was the four of us who were going to input, Mm -hmm. enter into the ballot. And I remember at the time, because it was so expensive, plus we had to, would have had to fly and like book a hotel, that I was like secretly thinking, oh no, we probably wouldn't get it. So I wouldn't have to spend the money, but I really also wanted to go. And then the day came and like, I didn't get it. Sarah didn't get it. um, Nathan didn't get it. And then somehow Eric got won the ballot so we had to book every like right there and then so I was like yeah all right so I I did it and yeah I I I have no regrets we went to Melbourne I think it was in August of that year and it was like so long and it was but it went by so quickly it was just like insane do you remember how many calls oh my gosh it was the atmosphere talk us through because I feel like this has been epic Mm. experience and also acknowledging that it's been six years so what do you remember of that experience? So I think when we went there it was still daylight and then when we finished it was after midnight. Wow. So it was really long. It was 18 courses. Uh, The ticket was 550 per person. You know what in hindsight 550 for 18 courses fat duck 
But that seems alright. For math's sake, it's thirty dollars per yeah, course. Yeah, and the courses are like tiny, you know, bite size. <laughs> we were familiar with Heston Blumenthal. There was like documentaries about Fat Dark and sort of the stuff that he would prepare. There are courses there that we knew mm. took days. I think at that point, once you decide you want to go to Fat Duck, it wasn't like we were thinking about the cost anymore. Mm. But yeah, I mean, nothing could really prepare you. It's it's not just about the food, right? It's like it's like a story and the experience, experience the yeah. atmosphere. Um, it's it's all theatrics as well. And for those that aren't familiar with Heston Blumenfield's work, like what is he? It's Heston Blumenthal. Blumenthal. <laughs> Sorry, clearly this is not my world. <laughs> so he's a very famous chef. He's English. His foods are very yeah. I think experiential is a is a good word um, for it. Something that looks uh, the tornado ice block, but is actually warm and savory, and is uh, you know a parfait. I think one of the dishes that I remember I was I saw was it's about ocean. There's like a seashell on your plate that has audio inside, and then you like listen to it while you're eating your dishes. Yeah, it's immersive. That's right. It's not just about taste. Like your eyes deceive you. And I think Hessen was definitely one of the pioneers of that. It's obviously changed now. I have no idea what the current fine dining trend is, mm. but I think at that time it was like all the rage. I think it was called Sounds of the Sea. And yeah, you're right. They they gave you the sounds of the ocean, and it was like this like a little block that had sand in it. And glass over it, and then they had like seafood and、um, foam and like what looks like seaweed. But to be honest, that wasn't really like the highlight、mm-hmm. of the night. I know that's、uh, like a lot of people talk about that. What was the highlight? Some of the most memorable ones to me. It was called the hot and cold tea, and it looks like just a shot glass with tea in it. And they were like, make sure you drink it. In this particular way, just drink it as we、mm. put it in front of you, and when you drink it, half your mouth was cold and half your mouth was. Wow,、mm. that's crazy. Yeah, so that was really crazy. How does that even work? And it was delicious. I would love that. It's something to do with gelatin or something. Okay. Yeah. It's like mind bending stuff. It was amazing. <laughs> Not what you expect. Do you think that it was worth it? Now, six years later, it, that's like two people, five hundred fifty a pop, plus flights,、mm. plus hotels. Way over a thousand bucks, right? Like, I think it was. What do you think? Yeah, I have no regrets, and if I get the opportunity to go to the restaurants of that caliber, I would do it again in a heartbeat. So, Nadia, what is the definition of fine dining? I tried to think about this before when you guys asked me to think about my fine dining experiences. That's when it occurred to me, like I don't even know if what I consider fine dining is fine dining for someone like myself who don't go. Um, and eat out a lot. There are occasions when, like, I would actually maybe get a little bit more dressed up, and the whole experience just feels a little bit more a nice date versus just eating.、Um, so that's what I would、mm-hmm. personally classify as fancy dining, and I think fine dining is something that is.、Uh, Something that you 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 feel like the food is prepared with a little bit more、um, attention,、um, where you just can't recreate yourself.、Hmm, that's a good definition. So it's not necessarily like tied to Michelin stars. I never really thought about Michelin stars、um, or hats or anything like that. Do you think that's? Do you think it's like an even split between food, or is it mostly about experience? No,、oh, good question.、Mm. I would say 
70% food, 30% experience. I mean, I'm just comparing it to something that I wouldn't call fine dining. Just you going to the pub for a burger or something. I would say like I, I do that because of the food. It's, it'd be like 90% food. That's just my own interpretation. Maybe there is a, like a proper definition of what fine dining is that I just don't know. Yeah, I do think it is relative. I'm curious what mm-hmm. Darth's definition is. I used to do a lot of fine dining in my, I would say, mid-20s. Mm-hmm. June, we talked about this in the previous episode where you mentioned something about as a young adult, you want to step into an adult mm. space and that is something that you do. There was a definite shift in my 20s. Like a rite of passage. Like a rite of passage, you know, where I spent a lot of money on food. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, I don't really do that anymore. I don't go to fine dining anymore because A, I can't sit there for mm. four or five hours. Like, <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest <laughs> things is, oh my God, it's eight course. I don't want to sit in this chair mm. for five hours. Like I have other things to do. <laughs> um, and That's so funny. And I did a lot, a lot of fine dining. But now when we were going through this before the podcast, I'm like, ah, I can actually only remember two. Really? Well, two that sticks out to me the most. And even then, if you were to ask me, like, what did you eat? I can't tell you for sure what Mm -hmm. I ate because it's mostly, like, the feeling and the experience I Mm -hmm. felt. The definition of fine dining to me would be Definitely, if, if it's got like a Michelin star, if it's got a hat, I think that very easily makes it fall into the category of fine dining. But then you also have places like the chicken rice stall in Singapore that also now has a Michelin star. So where are the lines? That's all kind of being blurred at the moment. I would lean probably way more heavily, like 80% experience feeling 20% because oh, to be honest, some of like the best food I've had, it's not at a fine dining mm. restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's, at a, it's at a roadside stall somewhere mm. dirty yeah where you're on a little plastic chair yeah and also I guess the definition of fine dining for me if it's like $300 per head and like <laughs> <laughs> it's the price it's the yes. price effort, yeah. I think and don't get me wrong I enjoy it for what it is the amount of skill the level the patience mm-hmm. the time the concept that, that gets put into a fine dining restaurant is crazy. It's definitely art. It is art. Yeah. You know, yep. it's what yep. it is. I'm curious because, so for me, I'm definitely not a fine dining convert. Like, I don't think I've ever had anything remotely resembling, like, a 15-course meal. What would be something that you would say to kind of convince someone like me that just feels like I'd much rather buy all of the valves or like you know eat a great bowl of dumplings somewhere over sitting through three hours of like tiny (laughs) tiny pieces of food on really giant plates (laughs) with smears of things like dashed across are we making the case make the case you know I'm a big proponent of try as many things at least once and maybe that you know, you mm-hmm. don't know what you're missing until you try it. Maybe there, there's a lot of steps between, you know, the, the, the Michelin star chicken rice to the fat duck. There's a lot yeah. of levels. You should find the one that you think would, um, would be enjoyable to you and try it once and then mm-hmm. go from there. I'm yeah i'm yeah. like i'm not convinced <laughs> try, try it once, it once. <laughs> yeah. next okay daft okay your my turn. turn so 
So it's it's like an event. Mm-hmm. So the way I think about when you go for a fine right. dining, it's like going to the theater. You make appointment with your friends. You have to buy a ticket. You know, you have to commit to spending two hundred dollars on that seat. You get dressed up. It's like a mm-hmm. special occasion. For me, that's kind of like the first part of it. Fine dining in itself is like an event or an experience mm-hmm. that you go through this ritual or process right. to get like ready for, like a ceremony. The next proponent of that I would say is, as much as I do love my street food and like cheap giant bowls of dumplings and ramen, there is a certain level of skills and the difference in terms of how the quality and the food is being presented Mm. to you. The way they, you know, prepare your meal, the way they cook it, the way they present it, the way it smells, the way even if it's one bite, it's so freaking delicious. I feel like that is an experience that you can only get at that super high level of cooking, which you can only find at Mm. that price point. Interesting, interesting. I'm definitely slightly more convinced than before. <laughs> I do still think that I would rather my delicious bowl of dumplings, but maybe it is something for a special occasion when a social gathering so calls for it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You mentioned that when you were thinking through all of these experiences, you can only remember a few. Yeah, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, coming back to my comment, for me, I guess fine dining is really mostly about experience mm. more than food itself. Usually when when we've been to a fine dining place, usually you're like, oh, yum, this is so great, you eat it. Mm. But the two most memorable fine dining experiences for me was Momofuku and the other one um, was this restaurant called Se- Sepia in mm. Sydney. I think it's closed now or they moved to Melbourne. But yeah, I think for me, Sepia was like a very, very classically fine dining place, like white tablecloth, six, eight course, you sit there for four hours. Mm-hmm. But they focused on like seafood. I actually went back to Sepia two or three times, which is not something that I would do. But yeah, I really, really love Sepia. I think just because for like for that restaurant, it really was the quality of food that was amazing. And even though it was like $300, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, it's worth spending and I will come back. And I did. Mm, interesting. For me... I honestly don't know why I couldn't remember them. The ones that I made a list of um, for this podcast, you know, the Fat Duck. Uh, I also went to Sepia. I went to Key. I think it goes back to what Daff was saying before. You don't really remember. Maybe you remember one or two of their signature, signature items from that meal. Mm. You know, every fancy restaurant, every chef usually has like the thing that they're known for. Maybe it's all just a blur, I guess, once you have done a few of them. Maybe for me, the more you do, the more it becomes unspecial. I 100% agree Mm. with you, Nadia. You've, you've been to so many and they all start becoming the same. It's like a very similar format. So Right, unless they're very different. Yeah, they, they blur together. And I think the more you do, the more you have it in your mind that they all just blur into one 
coming back to treating yourself to a fancy slash fine dining experience, I do feel I do I would hundred percent recommend everyone do it at mm. least once. But a suggestion I have to choose a restaurant is to choose the chef. Choose a chef that you like, in more than mm-hmm. like the restaurant that is mm. people talks about or is famous for. So same concept for me when I cho- when I get a tattoo, I choose my tattoo artist, not necessarily my tattoo. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's totally so fair. with that same framework. Find a chef where you know you like his style of cooking or you like his concept or philosophy in cooking. His, her, or their style of cooking. <laughs> Well, a girl can also be called Trying a chef. Trying to break down the, the patriarchy in the cooking industry. Fair, that's down. fair, that's fair. But yeah, so that's maybe another suggestion, June, if you were to spend some money on a fancy, fine dining experience. Interesting. On the topic of chefs, I remember a few years ago when Daff and I went to New York, we made an effort to go to Blue Hill, which is... Dan Barber. Yeah, Dan Barber's restaurant in Manhattan. And it was beautiful and I remember everyone was like very nicely dressed and there was this gorgeous girl that we were kind of eyeing (laughs) across the room. She was wearing this like really nice evening gown and sneakers and at the time we were like, oh, she should have made an effort with her shoes. Her (laughs) shoes were worth like $5,000. In fact, she was a pioneer. (laughs) (laughs) She was. She was ahead of her time. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah, they were probably like Balenciaga. Anyway, um... At the time, it was a really fun experience, but I honestly don't remember a single thing that we ate. All I remember is that right after we went there, we also went to get like slices New York pizza. slices, mm. slices, <laughs> New York slices of pizza, and that was yeah. delicious. And they were what like a dollar a pop. <laughs> So yeah, that's my memory of New York fine dining. I have to say that fine dining doesn't equate to whether I like, like whether my likeness of food, how fond I am of food, you know, it's like what you said, street food is equally delicious as the the food that is served at the fine dining. Mm-hmm. But the food at the fine dining, I go for a different reason to when I want some, like a a lot of dumplings on my in front of me versus one dumpling. Yeah, and actually that does like raise a question for me because I have always wondered why are a lot of Asian cuisines, for example, not really considered yeah. fine dining and it only becomes fine dining when like a white man somewhere decides that he wants to like elevate it, quote unquote, and like, you know, mm. strip away parts and then add things and so I do think there's a part of me that just feels a little bit annoyed Mm. at it because I do think that there are so many yeah so like David Chang is a really great example Mm. because I feel like he took like Korean staples and really like made them something else so that they were approachable at a fine dining level so I really hope to see more stories like that like more stories of like people from all these different cultures bringing their heritage into this new like into the world of fine dining and I think part of me is resistant because I kind of see that a lot of foods that are really nostalgic for me aren't considered fine dining or being presented at that level or, or yeah, even like worthy of being like 
at that level. I think this is changing, but completely I agree. I do feel like it's very much like a colonization view, fine dining mm-hmm. is. Um, if it's mm-hmm. like quote unquote white food, then it's fine mm-hmm. dining. If it's not, then it doesn't really categorize, even though you you have amazing like Chinese Asian mm. cooking where you use super expensive yeah. ingredients like abalone and you know super. like and yeah. very intricate and procedures exactly but um yeah. I think it's changing though I definitely think there is a reframing especially I think if you go to China now like they have like China Chinese fine dining I definitely feel like it's it's happening in China and it will eventually seep through the rest of the world right. hopefully yeah, yeah. makes sense yeah. I do want to ask, Daph, do you feel comfortable telling people about your recent adventures into the culinary arts world? What? Oh! (laughs) I'm like, what? Is this my kimchi? Yes, your kimchi. Oh, I wouldn't wouldn't consider that my culinary arts world. Okay, well, recently, because I've moved to Squamish, which is an hour's drive from Vancouver... I jumped on this opportunity where someone in like a Facebook group was asking if anyone made kimchi and I put out a post and did a whole bunch of pre-orders and I sold 22 mm-hmm. pints of kimchi. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. I think I bought 18 kilos worth of cabbage. Amazing. Me about two days to do all the prep. But yeah, so exciting. But you're totally right. I would... I do feel like there is an opportunity here for delicious Asian food. Oh, I love it. I love just want to say that <laughs> I realize that it sounds a little bit contradictory because I do go for the food. Like I said before, I do go for the food before the experience. But then a few years down the track, I, I remember the experience versus Not the food. The food. Yeah, mm, that's so interesting. That makes sense, though. I guess it's like more visceral. What you go versus what you get out of it might be, for me anyway, different. I, I, I'm going because I want to mm. taste that fancy looking popsicle. Mm-hmm. But what I get out of it mm-hmm. was was like I went to Disneyland. Sharing <laughs> yeah. it with Yeah, yeah friends, exactly. So. Now's the part of our podcast where we ask our guests some FAQ questions. First question, what's one thing you're really proud that you did before 30? I would say buying a house. I know that sounds super boring. No, it's not. We've actually never had that one before, interestingly. In these current times, I'm so glad I bought a house. (laughs) And what's so funny was that I never actually kind of made the decision to go, yep, let's go buy a house now. Mm. Nathan actually found the property and he was pushing me to let's let's do it now and I I always went maybe is it the right time I don't know if if I'm ready to enter into a mortgage but I guess in hindsight it was a it was a good a good decision very impressive buying a house also very very adult clap clap before 30 yeah that's pretty amazing all right second question definitely what's one thing you would recommend everyone try before 30 Okay, so this one, something that I would have told my pre-30-year-old self is to do a giant, giant, giant declutter. I would have told my younger self to read Marie Kondo or any of the minimalism books or the show. I don't know if they were available back then. 
but to do a big declutter and it's not just about getting rid of your my possessions i think it was it would have been a good decision to relearn and reshape my relationship to objects amazing mm. well i am a marie kondo fan you're speaking daft language mm. yeah i am on board with that something you'd like to say to your 40 year old self the biggest one i would tell my 40-year-old self is, for me personally, if you haven't already, leave the kids with the grandparents and go on a second honeymoon. Aww. Do you have a place in mind? <laughs> I don't know. Not yet. <laughs> but I do think I spent too much time Love like it. waiting for, you know, the perfect, like a better time. That's true. There is yeah. no time like now. It's relatable. <laughs> yes. Nadia, it's been a real treat having you, pun intended. Uh, it's yeah just lovely to hear about all the experiences that you've had and the intention behind uh, each of those experiences and what made them memorable daft did you want to tell us about what is up next thank you nadia again for joining us on this episode my uh, pleasure listeners, we hope that we have kind of inspired you to go and try at least one of one <laughs> fine dining experience and choose your chef yeah. not the restaurant Alright, so for our next episode, we're going to talk about overcoming heartbreak. Da da da. Mm-hmm. So important. A few of us would have had our fair share of getting our hearts broken, um, all part of growing up. So looking forward to talking and chatting about that. Thank you again. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tell your friends about it and rate and review us on anywhere you find your podcast and follow us on IG at ListMeTender. Yep, that sounds great. See you all next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 